0: Okay, This is Sarah McCaslin And in this podcast I'd like to talk about The story of John and Betty Stamm uh, Missionaries to China Their story is one That I feel is very important That the church not forget Their sacrifice Is one that the church should not forget And this one actually Kind of has a little bit of a theme to it Uh, As we discuss The short lives of John and Betty Stamm Four things are going to stand out. One of them was their wholehearted commitment to God. Also how their sacrifice and the sacrifices of others like them helped to make the Chinese church strong enough to survive decade after decade after decade of persecution. We'll also come away from this with a renewed sense of the importance of remembering missionaries in prayer. And the last thing uh, that will stand out is our own responsibility to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are facing persecution. All right, so let's start out with Betty, talking about Betty. Her full name is Elizabeth Alden Scott. She was born February 22, 1906 in Michigan. Now, the name Alden is a very old name in the United States, and her ancestry can actually be traced back to pilgrims aboard the Mayflower. Now, Betty was the child of Presbyterian missionaries serving in China for most of her childhood. They headed to China while she was still a baby, so ten years of her childhood was spent in China. Uh, Her parents were very dedicated Christians. Her dad was a missionary, theology professor, and pastor, and her mother also was very active as a missionary. And they raised Betty in a very powerful Christian atmosphere. Now, Betty was born again as a child, but she rededicated her life in 1925, when she would have been about 19 years old, at a Keswick convention being held in New Jersey, in the United States and when she rededicated her life to the lord he gave her this scripture for me to live is christ and to die is gain philippians 121. now betty enrolled in wilson college in pennsylvania Uh, as a student she especially enjoyed subjects like literature and poetry now later on other students uh, remarked on betty's christian lifestyle and her active commitment to the student volunteer missions movement now while she was still in college betty felt a call from the lord to return to china as a missionary and to that end as soon as she finished college she enrolled in moody bible institute now while she was there she was attending a prayer meeting that was held in the home of a former china inland mission missionary and it was there at that prayer meeting that she met her future husband, John Stamm. Now, he shared her commitment and her vision to go to China as a missionary. And after they met and they fell in love, they placed their future together in the Lord's hands. Now, let's talk about John for a few minutes. John was born uh, January eighteenth, nineteen 1907. Like Betty, he was raised in a very strong Christian atmosphere. His father was a lay preacher, and his dad really emphasized to the kids the importance of sharing the gospel with others, the responsibility that we as Christians have to share with others what the Lord has done for us and how they too can receive that from the Lord. Now, John felt, like Betty did, a call to the mission field, and so he too enrolled at Moody Bible Institute. Now, one of the neat things about john is while he was at the uh, moody bible institute he would travel 200 miles every weekend to minister in small churches and to trudge the streets carrying the gospel to anybody that he could find any crowd that he could gather so we see with john definitely that even before he got to the mission field he already was living out that call to missions that drive to share the good news of the gospel with others so as i mentioned john and betty met at a prayer meeting and what a great place what a great place for a christian couple to meet is at a prayer meeting now they were in love and they wanted to get married they faced problems however when it came to marriage See, the China Inland Mission had made an appeal for single men. Uh, They wanted single men to itinerate in sections of China where it would be impossible to take a woman, they thought, until a more settled work had been established. In other words, areas that it would be dangerous for a woman to go into or... uh, And that could mean danger from people. It could mean uh, dangerous environment, dangerous conditions. So they had been looking for young men to uh, go alone as single men into those areas. And that's what John had volunteered for. Now, John and Betty both wanted to put the Lord before their relationship. They wanted the Lord to come first. So um, then, to make things even more interesting... Betty was admitted to the China Inland Mission before John was. And so that meant Betty was heading for China before John. And that parting uh, was very difficult for them. But they parted in prayer. And they parted with a commitment that they wanted to do what the Lord would have them to do. No matter how strong their love for each other, their love for God was stronger yet. Now, fortunately... Uh, John was accepted by the China Inland Mission the following summer. And so, in the meantime, Betty is already in China, and she was facing some difficulties. Uh, One of the senior missionaries in the region where she was supposed to be working had been kidnapped by communists. And this was not an uncommon thing. Uh, Because of this, the mission directors decided to keep Betty in Shanghai for the time being. So when John arrived, Betty was already in Shanghai, and he had been stationed in Shanghai, too. And so the Lord worked it out that the China Inland Mission approved of their plans to marry, and they married in 1933. In the following year, Betty gave birth to an adorable baby girl. Um, And it should be, I I will mention here, because this will become important later on, She had a lot of difficulties with the birth, and the baby was delivered by cesarean, but the wound, uh, the incision, never healed properly, and that was causing Betty some continuing problems. Now, John and Betty were serving as missionaries during a very dangerous time in China. Um, The baby was born around uh, 1934. And during that time, John had written back to his father here in the United States. And he said, Do be praying for us, for in China things are uncertain. There may be peace today and war tomorrow. Governors and military commanders have been known to turn for one reason or another. And we need to know the Lord's will and to experience his protection. Now, John was right. They were an grave danger Uh, the danger became especially serious when their baby Helen was three months old the magistrate of the town where these young missionaries were working warned them that they needed to flee because there were communists coming and they were coming specifically to uh, imprison this missionary couple so John went out and confirmed this before he and Betty made a run for it with the baby And they began to prepare to leave, but they didn't prepare fast enough. They were captured by the communist soldiers before they left their home. Now, initially, uh, the soldiers demanded all their money, which they surrendered except for a little bit that Betty had stuck back, and we'll talk about that in a while. They arrested John and took him to their headquarters and left Betty uh, with her little daughter. And then the soldiers returned for Betty and for the baby. Now, when they took uh, Betty, they didn't take any supplies or anything for the baby. And so John was allowed to go back to their home under guard in order to get things for the baby. But when he got back to their home, it had been ransacked. And anything of value was gone, including supplies for the baby. So um, John and Betty and baby Helen were taken to the local prison. The prison was so packed that they had to release prisoners to make room for John and Betty. And they were that determined to have John and Betty imprisoned. Now, the baby started to cry, which is natural, especially in conditions like this. She began to cry, and one of the communist soldiers suggested killing her because she was disturbing them. Now, I mentioned they had released some prisoners in order to make room for John and Betty. One of the prisoners that had just been released... Asked that soldier, why on earth would you want to kill an innocent baby? That soldier turned to him and said, are you willing to die for a foreign baby? And you know what that prisoner said? He said, yes. That soldier turned and hacked that prisoner to pieces in front of the stamps. Hacked him to pieces. But the baby lived. Now what this, this story is, horrifying as it is, this gives us an idea of the terrifying conditions that John and Betty were in, of the cruelty and inhumanity of their captors, of how angry the powers of darkness were at this young missionary couple in their attempt to bring the light of God into a land that Had so much darkness in it, we can almost feel the enemy's hatred of these young Christians, this young Christian couple who were willing to sacrifice everything to carry the gospel. Well, the next morning, the stamps were forced to march twelve miles. Now, I had mentioned that Betty had a baby Helen by cesarean, by C-section, and the incision. Never completely healed up. So Betty was not well. It had only been three months since she'd had the baby. So John carried the baby, and Betty was permitted to ride a horse part of the way. Well, they finally uh, stopped. The soldiers stopped to take a break, and they stopped at a postmaster's shop. And the postmaster uh, looked at John and Betty, you know, recognizing that they were Americans, that they were prisoners of the communist, And he asked John, he said, do you know where you're going? And I want you guys to listen to this. This was John's reply. Now, keep in mind the horrors he had just witnessed the night before. He said, We do not know where they're going, but we're going to heaven. What a powerful testimony! That even though he knew they were in danger of being killed, he knew that in the end they were going to heaven. So they spent the night in a railroad station. And to prevent John from escaping, they tied him to a pole. Uh, but Betty was left free enough to tend to baby Helen. Now, um, she hid that night. She hid the baby inside a sleeping bag. And, and this had to have been so difficult for Betty. She left her at the train station. And the soldiers... And how this happened, I do not know. The soldiers never noticed the baby was gone. Or if they did, they didn't care. So Betty left the baby in the train station. And I believe it was because she knew that she and John were going to be executed in all likelihood. And that she wanted to give the baby a chance to survive. Now... Shortly before his impending death, John sent a poem to his father. And this is before he knew that he was going to be martyred. When I said impending death, I mean in the sense that we know that he is going to die. Now, this poem wasn't written by John, but uh, he sent it to his father because it expressed how he felt. It was authored by a missionary named Vincent, uh, a missionary who died a martyr. And I'm going to read this. Afraid of what? To feel the spirit's glad release. To pass from pain to perfect peace. The strife and strain of life to cease. Afraid of that? Afraid of what? Afraid to see the Savior's face. To hear his welcome. And to trace the glory gleam from wounds of grace. Afraid of that? Afraid of what? A flash, a crash, a pierced heart. Darkness, light, oh, heaven's art. A wound of his counterpart. Afraid of that? Afraid of what? To do by death what life could not. Baptize with blood a stony plot. Till souls shall blossom from that spot. Afraid of that? Now, no doubt his father was very grieved at seeing this poem come from his son at seeing his son expressing these feelings uh through the words of another poet any parent is going to be upset by this but it's like the lord was preparing john for what lie ahead of him was preparing him for what was awaiting he and his wife john and betty were Marched to their place of execution, surrounded by curious onlookers. Their hands were bound, and they had been stripped of their outer garments. John was barefooted; he had given his socks to Betty. The soldiers ordered people into the streets to witness the execution, and the people cooperated out of fear. Now, among the people that lined the streets that day was a particular Christian gentleman, a Chinese shopkeeper, and he stepped out of the crowd. And he talked to the communists, and he did his dead-level best to convince them not to kill the Stams. And they ordered him back into the crowd, but he refused to stand down. And some soldiers rushed over to his home, and they searched it. And there they found a holy Bible and a hymn book. And they grabbed him and shoved him over to stand next to the Stams and informed him that he, too, was being executed for the crime of being a Christian. So after marching for a short while longer, John Stam was ordered to kneel. it was 10 a.m. in the morning, and the group had stopped in a small clump of pine trees. And while John was kneeling there, he tried to plead for the life of the man who was being executed with them. And then he turned to speak some words of encouragement to Betty. And while he was speaking, his captor's sword swung and ended his life. And Betty shuddered, they said, and collapsed to the ground in a kneeling position, bending over the body of her beloved husband. She was beheaded, and her body remained on top of John's. Then they executed the shopkeeper. And the soldiers, so full of hate and no doubt driven by the powers of darkness, were not content with having executed this couple, but they began to hack at their lower extremities even after they were long dead. Now, before their bodies could be recovered for burial... Um, the Christians in that area had to wait until the communist soldiers had left. Now, there was a Chinese pastor that prepared their bodies. Uh, he, he paid to have coffins made, and he prepared their bodies and put them, uh, put them in the coffin. And he held a funeral for them. And a lot of the locals came to that funeral because they had seen the execution. And they had seen what had happened, and they would later testify that John and Betty did not show any signs of fear. They didn't show any signs of terror, but they were at peace. And that Chinese pastor at that funeral, these are some of the words that he preached at that funeral. You have seen these wounded bodies, and you pity our friends for their suffering and death. But you should know that they are children of God. Their spirits are unharmed. And at this moment, they're in the presence of their Heavenly Father. They came to China, not for themselves, but for you, to tell you about the great love of God, that you might believe in the Lord Jesus and be eternally saved. You have heard their message. Remember, it is true. Their death proves it so. Do not forget What they told you. Repent. And believe the gospel. What a powerful message. Was preached. Over their remains. And how true it is. That their spirits were unharmed. The communists may have beheaded them. They may have hacked at their bodies. But they could not touch their spirits. Well. Well. It would be 40 days before the bodies could be buried, Uh, but they had been preserved in lime. Uh, He preached that funeral sermon over those coffins. When the coffins were opened right before they were buried, those present noted that John's face had a look of peace and confidence and a hint of a smile. And Betty, as would be expected, looked distressed but not frightened. Now they buried John and Betty and the shopkeeper side by side. Three gravestones. And on John's gravestone, it says that Christ may be glorified whether by life or by death. Philippians one twenty. On Betty's headstone, it says for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians one twenty one. And on the shopkeeper's headstone, Miao Shao and Hui, it says, "Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life." Revelations to Tim. Now you may be wondering what happened to Baby Helen. When Betty hid the baby, she had already safety pinned a banknote, um, money, to the baby's clothes, so that whoever found her. Would have money to be able to buy some supplies for her. And the Lord managed to keep that money hidden and keep that baby safe. The locals heard the baby crying in the train depot and they knew whose baby it had to be because they had seen Betty come in with the baby and leave without it. And so they notified uh, a local Christian Chinese pastor, Reverend Loki Chow, and he is also the man that preached their funeral sermon. So he and his wife retrieved the baby, took her home with them to care for her until she was well enough to travel. And this is the same Christian uh, pastor that took care of baby Helen's parents' remains. Now it turns out that Betty's parents, the Scots, were in China at that time on the mission field. And so the Chinese pastor delivered little Helen Priscilla to her grandparents there in China. And then uh, the baby was taken back to the United States where she was raised by her aunt and uncle who adopted Helen Priscilla Stamm as their own little girl. And she grew up uh, with them, and she tried very hard to keep her life private because at the time the notoriety of... Her parents and what had happened to her parents. Now, before we wrap this up, uh, I want to read a poem that was written by Betty when she rededicated her life to the Lord. And as I read this, keep in mind that Betty perished as a martyr. Lord, I give up all my plans and purposes. All my own desires and hopes. And accept. Thy will for my life. I give myself. My life. My all utterly to thee. To be thine forever. Fill me. And seal me with thy Holy Spirit. Use me. As thou wilt. Send me where thou wilt. And work out. Thy whole will in my life. At any cost now and forever as tragic as truly tragic as the death of john and betty stam is it seems as if the lord had already given them an unspoken intimation of what might lie ahead for them this poem that betty wrote when she was just 18 or 19 the The poem that John sent to his father that had been written by a missionary that dealt with the subject of martyrdom, the Lord it seems was slowly preparing them for what was ahead, and what comes to my mind with this second corinthians twelve nine through ten, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness.." Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In the life of John and Betty Stamm, we see the grace of God at work for them. When the time came for them to face the executioner's sword, there was no fear, but there was peace, a peace that passes all understanding. The Lord provided them the grace they needed to face martyrdom when that time came. And for us, though we may never face an executioner's sword, yet in our lives we go through trials and problems and heartbreaking grief but we too can look to the lord for that grace that is sufficient for that strength that's made perfect in our weakness and we can look to the lord to carry us through whatever comes into our life now i mentioned at the very beginning that there were four things that would stand out their wholehearted commitment to god they truly were willing to die for the cause of christ a lot of us might say that we would die for the lord but they truly were willing and did we also see how their sacrifice helped make the chinese church strong they were uh, the message of their sacrifice the sermon that was preached over their bodies The story of this young couple that came and gave their lives to spread the truth of the gospel had a tremendous impact. Back in um, Europe and in the United States, the story of their martyrdom encouraged many young people to go to the mission field to make their contribution. The importance also of remembering missionaries in prayer. We should keep missionaries in prayer. We should hold them up. And finally, our responsibility to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are facing persecution. Most of us will never face true persecution. Most of us will never be in danger of dying because someone finds a Bible in our home. And we need to remember to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in danger of dying for their faith, who are in danger of imprisonment and beatings and tortures, and to recognize that these dangers are out there and they're real, and to pray for our brothers and sisters to be given the grace to persevere and to stand strong. Well, that's the the story of John and Betty Stam from my perspective and my research that I wanted to share with you guys, and I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that somehow or other the Lord spoke to your heart. Thanks for listening.